Welcome to the Critical Yoga Studies podcast. I'm so proud of you with this. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Okay, so we just need to rewind for a second. Just want to take a moment to introduce Karen Rose, a New York Times featured herbalist, a black woman, indigenous woman, who has trained thousands of apprentices in plant-based medicine, expertise, Sacred Vibes Apothecary and Sacred Vibes Botanica are both brick and mortar and online, and they're amazing resources for plant-based medicine. In these times, that's important. Introducing Karen Rose. Welcome to the Critical Yoga Studies podcast. I'm so proud of you with this. Uh, oh my goodness. Thank you. So beautiful to see you as well. Congratulations on the new store, Karen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot happening. <laughs> <laughs> to, say the, to say the least, yeah, I feel like that's that, that about sums it up. A lot of people are saying this stuff for 2020, like, what the fuck, 2020 type of thing, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, indeed. I think it's catching us all in some different states of readiness. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. At this point, Karen is already dropping gems. The idea that the global moment would be catching us all in different states of readiness, I find to be very hopeful and also very galvanizing. It reminds me of that quote, Black women, be ready. White women, get ready. Red women stay ready. You know, it's like, it's so dope to me that the prototype lab that it's a part of is at the new school. It's like still somehow housed in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have a chance to do a prototype season of anything is so new. Yeah. You know, like when I did that whole Sepia project, it was like literally overnight, I felt like, okay, overnight without any resources or staff, I need to create this global network. You know, and of course, that was just like so ruinous on my spirit and physicality. You know, it was just so too much pressure to take on oneself, mm-hmm. on oneself, like oneself, like one you know. Self. And so I'm just so happy to have a chance to try things out, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, People mm-hmm. talk about, oh, like experiment with failure. Yeah, easy and for it's you like, to say. Actually, for a lot of us, failure is too high stakes and it doesn't, it doesn't feel safe to experiment with, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, who the fuck has so time to fail? So it's something that's like, almost like um, approximating privilege where it's like, let me just see how this thing goes, Flip you know, hair. type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And how has it been going? I think it's been going well. So like, the, there's been basically two main two main episodes and each one has doubled in listeners so that's one thing it's still a small group but um and then it feels good Karen to have a way of of because I've been working on so much scholarship and scholarship tends to be private mm-hmm. and even when you share it in like academic journals that circulation is not wide mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it feels good to be building towards an outlet that's public you know Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always loved radio, things like that, and sharing my voice. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's one of—I I would say—it's one of my main health directives is to like keep my voice sweet, like honey. Mm-hmm. You know, not just the tone, but that too. You know what it is. But like 
in many ways, you know, to to not let bitterness mm-hmm. uh, Don't make things to what's it called um, brittle, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to be able to just share voices and stuff. It's fun to talk to people as well, like yourself, and have a reason to reach out and to connect with folks I respect and admire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about turning? So you've been doing these posts now for maybe about a year mm-hmm. where you where you share both astrologically and also you uh the posts tend to be like based in where we are in the universe like stars and alignments and all and what's coming our way where we're at and then you also do this plant a plant-based offering to um kind of like seal that message Mm-hmm. Uh, with with a wonderful takeaway. So you've been doing that. Have you thought about how has that been going for you? Your feedback you've gotten. Mm-hmm. I know I tune in. I tune in religiously. It's like oh, there's an oh, Karen came through. It's time <laughs> to tune in. You know. It's been going well. It's so funny because for years, I mean, <laughs> probably decades, I did it with a very close circle of my friends probably about five or six people, I would say, listen, the new moon's coming. Like, make sure you get this herb or take these herbs for the new moon. And, I, I, you know, at first, I think, you know, they were like, whatever, Karen, we'll just take the plants. Like, you're giving it to us and we'll just take it. Um, and so it doesn't feel like something brand new. It just feels like now I'm actually doing it in front of a camera. But I have been on that. Like, if you knew me, like, my friends will tell you that I've been like, oh, no, like, this is about to go into this sign. That's about to go into that sign. I think here's the ways that we could protect, you know, like, protect ourselves, um, take care of ourselves during these transitions and really been on that for a while. So it's been really great to share it with a camera in, um, and share it with a wider audience to be able to say, you know what, Plants are here. Um, plants have these same energies and they've been mitigating these energies for a really long time. And we could learn a lot from them um, by just, you know, also inviting those energies in when these things are occurring. So, yeah, that feels really nice to be able to do with a wider audience. And I notice, I mean, you're getting like, it seems like you're getting more and more reposts, more and more engagements. Mm-hmm. Um through so like what's something is there anything that sticks out about when you share it what comes back your way from people yeah i think what sticks out is how willing folks are to work with plant energies and also noticing how impacted we all are by these energies um so you know i think astrology has grown a ton also because um you know folks are now realizing how they can like embrace these energies in their own lives and it doesn't seem so external anymore it seemed a lot more internal so people are really interested in knowing what's going on universally and they're also interested in plant medicine um and so combining the two sense from people mm-hmm they're like together. They're like, you know, let's work with this. Hi, Rossi. <laughs> um, they're like, let's work with these energies together and um, see what changes these can make. So I've been like getting a lot of 
positive feedback from folks about, I tried this plant. And it always makes me feel really good to introduce um, a plant that someone maybe had been thinking about using, right? haven't really used. And yeah, just to like say, here, you can use this, you know? So that feels good to like make that introduction sometimes. The way that you access these plants, you being in New York City, most of the you're in New York City most of the time. You're New York City based, Brooklyn based. Mm-hmm. So that's where both of your um, brick and mortar stores are, as well as your home life, most of your home life throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So, um, are you feeling any way? First of all, I I just want to recognize that Karen, like. I feel that you are very much um, ahead of the curve, like that you can foresee in in ways. And I don't mean to be, you know, exotifying or mystifying in some kinds of outlandish ways. I just mean that this movement around plant-based medicine and astrology is something that I feel that you have, you know, built, you've been able to like build your own liberation on and help others to liberate on and, in such a, a strong leadership way, you know. Um, so I just, I just want to commend you for that. And I wonder what you feel about these like different sorts of like um, global interruptions to food chains, to to plant, to plants getting to people, to people being able to touch things like plants. And you know, some people aren't going outside as much. And certainly in New York City. It's not like folks are like near, you know, orchards and things. How do you feel that the coming weeks and months might affect folks' ability and even your own ability to get the plants that fill your botanica and your apothecary? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so so much of a part of this work has been for me for years teaching my students how to uh, how to function when times are like these. Right. So this isn't a conversation that we're now having um, in a state of panic, but I've been educating my students all along. Like, what if sacred doesn't exist? I always say that to them, even though, you know, that's my business. And, and But I'm saying, like, what if you weren't able to walk into an apothecary? What would you do? Um, and so a big part of that was saying to people, like, find out the plants that are local to where you are. Because the plants that are also local to where we are should be used for our healing. We should not be looking for a plant that exists on the equator. I mean, I've been saying this probably for the last 20 years. Like, do you live on the equator? If you don't live on the equator, why do you want an equator plant? Like, you know, um, when people come in and ask me for like some plant they've read about in Africa, I'm like, you're not in Africa, you're here. Like find a substitute for that plant. So for a very long time, I've been telling my students like local is where it is, where we should be focusing our attention on. And so now it's turning, to, you know, this, this is happening, right? Because accessibility, we're running out of stuff at the apothecary and our suppliers will be running out of stuff too, right? So, um, you know, I tell people, I'm like, your grocery store is also a place you can get herbal medicine. Like your, your green grocers, um, the Korean uh, grocers on the corners are also a place that you could get herbal medicine. Um, I've been educating my students for a while to be like, what's in these places that is also medicinal? What is antiviral? What's antimicrobial also at these places? What's antiviral and antimicrobial at the local park? So, um, you know, um, 
yeah, it's this view that we're that we're working to change constantly about um, accessibility and realizing that there's much more accessibility around us once we can change our perception on what medicine should look like. Mm. What you just said, it reminded me of, I think it's called fractals, where like like the veins of a leaf match the veins in our hands, match the way that the topography of the earth looks when you look at rivers from, from a plane. You know, like that there's all these patterns. And what you're talking about, I started to see these fractals of like in yoga, even just all of yoga. Like, don't you, you don't have any physical practices that you ever did with your family? Like with with your mom or with your grandparents who perhaps were genocidal murderers and you have to contend with that as you take on their physical practices that they did, but perhaps that will open up a portal for more strong healing for you. You Mm -hmm. know, sing the songs that they sang. Maybe you don't have to sing bhajans. I was in a yoga class the other day and it was, I was like flowing with it and it was fine, but I started to, it just started to dawn on me, man. This music is all budgeons and there's not been one Indian voice. It's all been these whitened, you know, these whitened interpretations. Same thing with gentrification. Like if you're going to move to like South Park South Slope, Park are you going to come to Flatbush? And then you're going to want to like create these groups around, oh, there's these men hanging outside or there's drum circles. It's like, well, why don't you just, if you're going to be there, just come with what you got. Don't worry about changing what else. But these are things that come to mind, you know, when you're talking about um, work with what's around you or what's organic to you mm-hmm. in your in your life, your own life story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's being able to look at the extension of medicine, right? And not looking at medicine, not looking at plant medicine like allopathic medicine, because we have the same tendencies, right? So we're generally like, oh my gosh, Karen, what plant do I take for what? Right. And I'm like, well, plant medicine doesn't work that way because it's not symptomatic. It's not like, why am I taking this? But, you know, you got some ginger. And what I want you to find out about the ginger is that ginger has 20 different indications, you know, um, not just one. So ginger is antimicrobial. It is antiviral. It is um, anti-catar. It is anti-spasmodic. You could use it for your period, your chest complaints. Yes. Or, you know, I mean, so I think it's also us looking like, okay, Okay, what do we have in our house? But the wide ranges that we could use it for, not just like um, uh, putting it into a peg and saying, this is what it fits for, you know? Um, So I think like a lot of us have ancestral connection to these medicines. And now we're really having to be like, okay, what did my ancestors really use all of this stuff for? You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This also reminds me, I was just, I've been working on this piece and I talk about how, you know, uh, there's this troubling categorization of yoga that is more like a severing and it's very much like eugenics because it says uh, that most of yoga studies right now exist in public health realms, science realms, medical realms. So if you if you like get on Google Scholar and you look up yoga, it's primarily going to be these scientific quantitative articles. And what do they do? Well, first of all, they rely on discovery. I'm the one that discovered that yoga does this thing, this small slice of yoga does this thing for this small slice of the human body or experience. So this asana does this for the lung. Okay, so that's your discovery. Yeah. This asana does this for the brain, for the inner city child's ADD. This thing does that. And it's like, 
it just doesn't quite work like that. It's, that's not a complete story. And it's just not critical. No. There's something kind of creepy about it as well, where, why are you, <laughs> I don't, it just feels kind of creepy. Like, it feels like eugenics in another, in another sphere, you know, in a way. Well, I think that's been a struggle of the approaches of plant medicine, because even within what we call, um, with, within what they call the alternative fields, right? So herbalists and natural healers fall into what they call alternative, even though, even though we practice traditional medicine. So even changing that concept about that is something that's huge. But even within that practice, there's a lot of Western herbalists who still are very much about indications of plants. What is this plant indicated for? And that's how I could use it. And, re- and it feels so far removed from anything I teach or any way I teach because I'm like, plants don't exist for our use. Plants exist because they exist. They just exist. They have their own use. They have their own purpose. And we exist with them. And so learning, it's about building relationships with plants. It's like us building a relationship with the plant. The plant could tell us about some of its uses. And if that works for us, great. But it's not here. It's here for the animals. It's here for the environment. It's here for the earth. It's not just here to be, you know, um, for our consumption and use. But, um, you know, I think that's the voice that I've been ha- that's important to me to continue to have in this herbal medicine realm. Um, that listen, there's a spiritual connection here. There's a holistic approach, and we're only going to find that by like learning from indigenous populations because um, the Western approach and the Western view of plant medicine is so far removed from spirit and responsibility and connection and. Um, a whole centered approach that it's it's kind of scary sometimes it's like you mentioned indigeneity i would love to like ask you maybe just like a couple quick questions like a lightning round like gail king style to do (laughs) (laughs) you know like do you identify you mind if i do that right quick just like take a minute let's get into it do you identify as indigenous Mm -hmm. yes i do Mm -hmm. and uh do you are you black and indian Mm-hmm. I'm black, Indian, and Chinese. Mm-hmm. And you're from, you're from, what are the places you would say you're from? That's how you ask the question. I'm, um, I was born in Guyana um, to um, a Chinese uh, great-grandmother and um, a great-grandfather who was from the Congo, from Benin, Burkina Faso. And so my... Um, I definitely, my dad's mom, who was was an indentured, who came to Guyana as an indentured servant for my my mom's dad, was um, a native of India who came to Guyana as an indentured servant. Um, so yes, these these cultures are like in my roots. I came to New York though at fourteen, so I do also recognize that I'm from Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Um, I feel like so much of who I am has been in this Flatbush neighborhood Flatbush. from the time of arrival in um, deeply community um, Caribbean Flatbush neighborhood. Mm-hmm. What would you say is something that's like keeping yourself feeling sexy and juicy? <laughs> Rest. <laughs> Rest. Oh my gosh, you don't even know. Like that, as a single parent, we were going to talk a bit about that, but as a single parent and as a business person, like I cannot tell you how much 
rest helps me feel sexy and juicy. And I also want to acknowledge the sun and the ocean, which I miss so much. Um, so whenever I get a chance and I'm in the Caribbean, that really makes me feel alive. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let me let me ask you real quick about single parenthood. So when you when you left, when you escaped or set out on your own or you know how I don't know how you would phrase it but you had three children mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you were in New York City mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how old were you well I had two children and I left their 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 parent um in Arizona when I was 32 um I arrived in New York City at 32 with two kids back in my mom's house um and uh, I then got pregnant again at 35 with Shiloh, who was my third, um, and chose to raise him, raise him singularly too. Mm-hmm. Wow, Karen. So um, I also left the other biological parent in Arizona. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe there's something about Arizona. <laughs> like, yo, Ooh. you were saying that Valley Sun face. I remember I had the very good fortune and these people came into my life just for a small period of time, but in a, um, a black feminist scholar, intellectual, her and her husband and her children came over to our apartment one day and we were all chilling and they were like, Barupa, why would you have Ravi around this person if they're just going to be in and out at best? At best, it would be an in and out chaotic situation, if not violent in other ways, which would also be quite likely. But why, why would you subject Ravi to that push and pull? Why not just cut it off? You know, and I, I hadn't thought about this. And it's different ways that being an immigrant child. So mm-hmm. I was born in this country, but I'm the only one in my family, including my other sibling, to be born in this country. So I was very much raised as an immigrant. Mm-hmm. And I just was, I'm not, I was not as prepared as I thought I was for the ways that historical trauma of this land would show up in the intimate relations that I would have with people who are from here in a multi-generational way. Mm-hmm. And it just hadn't occurred to me to, cause it's like, oh, okay, so, okay, well, we can get a divorce. It'll be a co-parenting, you know, let's do this right. But my eyes were blinded, you know? I was still so blinded by all the shock of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I just remember being like, maybe, maybe it does have to be uh, a much more distant project. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of um, a sad realization when um, you realize that even location-wise has to be so so much of a vast difference, like a, a bigger space in between um, for your survival, but also for like a survival of the children, you know? Um, and so that felt huge. I mean, I never, like you talked about, I grew up in an immigrant home where in immigrant homes, you try to make things work. Right. You try to make no matter what it is, you just come together and you try to make it work, especially in, when it comes towards the children. So to make the decision felt, um, you know, really much like, was I failing myself? Was I failing the kids? What, why wasn't I able to do this? That took some time to like really sit and notice my children flourishing and even them saying to me, like, Mom, I'm so grateful um, that you that you did this thing. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel you. Like, I remember I grew up with all this stigma attached to being the only one born, only woman born in this country, only person. And when I were, whenever I would go back to India, I would always hear, and even from Indian aunties and uncles around, you know, like, 
oh, you guys don't know about family. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have family values. You're American, so you, you don't have any family values. And it's like then to consider getting a divorce, but not only the divorce, but to have this sort of like absolute boundary. Yeah. And then it's like, wow, I'm, I'm fulfilling all these stereotypes that people had. I guess I am a hoe. But then it's also like, but we're happy. Yes. And we're flourishing. Hell yeah. And our children are happy. And our children are flourishing. Damn right. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. we, these multi-generations are healing. And that's always been the plan. Who's the man with the master plan? So it's like, the other stuff was just, like, in the way. Oh, you know bitch, what I mean? get out yeah, the way. Yeah, I remember, you know, I tell the story about when my mom, when I came back and I was 32 and I had two kids, my mom was pretty much well, like, okay, now you can focus on your life. Like, um, you know, she was pretty much like, you focus on these children and on your life like this. And she was ready to like martyr me, <laughs> you know, like put me in a position of a martyr. And I remember my grandmother pulling me. My grandmother was still alive at that time. She was in her early 90s. She pulled me to the side and she said, you're 32 years old. She goes, live your life. You hear me? She said, don't do what your mom's thinking. She's like, go date again. Find someone else. Don't give up. Like, live your life. And I'm just so grateful for that. My grandma giving me that message because my grandma was like, you're so young. Like, don't. My mom was ready for me to just, like, start wearing black and (laughs) and just constantly give my life to these kids, you know? (laughs) And my grandma was like, try again. Like, go do it, you know? Mm. So that felt really nice to have my grandma to say that. Blessings, blessings. Uh, do you want to just name your your stores and how people can support you? Sure. So Sacred Vibes Apothecary has been there for 11 years. We're so proud of that little space. And Rupa, I'm so grateful. Like you were one of the first people who ever took images of my shop. I don't know if you remember, but you had taken some beautiful images of my shop and sent them to me years ago. Like, um, and always would come in. I remember you'd always come in and get incense and yeah, so that was 11 years ago, Rupa. <laughs> what a, it's like to even think about that is mind blowing, right? Um, so we've been in that space and we, you know, out of that space have come many things. One of the big things that have come out is our education program. I think we focus a lot on educating people about plant medicine and educating people about their own wholeness and like what does it mean to like be whole, not just, um, you know, the utilization of plant medicine for like, another substance but like what does it mean to be whole and how can these plants support so i love the fact that we have this really robust education program um it's our apprenticeship program and you can find information about that on the sacred vibes apothecary website and then out of that grew really um the sacred vibes the sacred botanica because sacred botanica i was finding that people wanted me to do more and more spiritual work for them um and it feels good for me as i'm aging as i'm um looking at my work in a different way i love working with people doing spiritual stuff um and so i've been doing readings a lot more for the last couple years and um just talking to people about utilizing plant medicine for spiritual wholeness too not just physical wholeness and i think that's where the botanica came out of is from that i wanted to create something that was plant-based a plant-based botanica where people were looking at plants for uh spiritual healing also and um that's brand new we just opened literally (laughs) sunday and um yeah we're still getting adjusted to even being in the space um and yeah so support that too support that business also which we hope to do a lot of education there also so one of them is off of cortel you in dimas park flatbush mm-hmm. and then the on argyle right 
Yes, on Argyle Road. And the other one is about three blocks up. So we are just like in, you know, we keep ourselves. I love that. That's, I think that's what made me decide that this is why I wanted to have this location because the other one is three blocks up on Coney Island off of Gertelieu. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted people to have that relationship of going back and forth between them. Mm-hmm. So as a New York Times featured herbalist and somebody who runs large conferences on plant-based medicine, you've been ahead of the curve in that you started this global apprenticeship project um, that people could do online. Is that right? Via Facebook? Right. So via Facebook, we have a global apprenticeship via Facebook link where I share a lot. The, the goal of that is to be able to provide more education worldwide. So we're still thinking about like, what's the best platform for that? Is it a membership platform? What is that going to look like for people to engage with me globally? But for now, we do have this global Facebook page where, um, from you know, I teach on that page. Um, it, it's my goal to teach more on that page. Um so, yeah, that's where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Ravi, yeah. Ravi, come come say hi to Sister Karen, Auntie Karen. Come on, come say hi. <laughs> Maybe we can just do... <laughs> uh, How is that going? Well, you always educate them at home, don't you? Pretty much. We, we were lo- been going from preschool to preschool in these racist stronghold hey. cities. Hi, Ravi. How are you? Great. You are so handsome, so big. Oh, wow. What are you doing today? Just, um, um, can you know what I'm doing? You, well, what did you do? Like, what's something that you did today? Right now, I'm just um, watching Captain Underpants. <laughs> 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 I'm talk about how educational yes, shit we did. for my children, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> Have them poopy bears. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a fun way to spend your day. I love that you guys get outside so much. The nature. Yeah, me too. Get the booby bed. Is it warm there? No, it's not. It's warming up, but it's quite gray. It's quite gray, but we've been getting out every day so far. Yeah. But yeah, these racist stronghold cities, so... I just took him out of, I've taken him out of three different preschools. I finally found an Islamic center related preschool. So it has a spectrum of black and brownness. And then a week and a half later it closed. Oh no. So yeah, I would just, we were just watching that movie Hook with like Robin Williams, Julia Roberts, you know, that, that classic movie Hook. And there's a scene where he gets in front of all these like other kids that hadn't grown up in Wonderland. And he's like, what is this? Some sort of Lord of the Flies preschool? <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm feeling that description because the way that these um, white babies have been, you know, it has just been so uh, telling of yeah. the, the kinds of hate that are circulating in um, people's homes. I was so happy to move my brown children out of Arizona. I remember preschool for Lauren was just so horrid, <laughs> you know, constant com- conversations every day with staff about um, how they're treating my kids, how the other kids are talking to them. Lauren was the only brown child. It, it, it's just not right. Right, right. So, I mean, so just talking about your teaching and moving forward, I'm, I've been working with folks at Yoga Alliance to, to, you know, greater and lesser extents, but I do have 
uh, some connections there. And as we move forward, you know, we cannot be doing these yoga teacher trainings in person. So that means everything's on hold for now or should be. And so there has to be on the on the academic side in the ivory tower all of that's transitioning to online at least for the time being for the rest of the semester and i feel that the other fields must be able to um follow suit because mm-hmm. we just can't have it all grind to a halt people still right. need education mm-hmm. right then, i've already had three classes this week via zoom right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so maybe um you know it's something that i'm going to be proposing to them is like to what extent can we have a yoga teacher training online and for me, as a single mother, that's just much more sustainable. And I don't want to be somewhere for 200 hours because I already have 210 hours a day. <laughs> Shit, you know? So um, it's something that I would love to like keep talking to you about as well. Mm-hmm. I've taught online for the past four years at um, when I was a PhD student. And so I do have these like experiences and skills with online pedagogy that are relevant to the moment. And I'm thinking about ways to, yeah, move forward. Yeah, I am too. I'm thinking about ways to um, continue to work with, uh, I think this classes that have, that, that, that were already established, it's easier because that community knows me. However, I did start a new class about two weeks ago and that community doesn't um, quite yet know me and know each other. And how do we, because our classes become little communities in themselves. You know, there's, they, they love being around each other. They love talking to each other. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to create that same culture on Zoom, which is, is a little bit more challenging to create that same closeness in, um, in groups um, that we have seen that the apprenticeship engenders. Right. Because there's this like, there's this like Reiki-esque thing that happens when we're just near one another. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, each of our, um, each of our level ones, they generally get so close to each other as they're going through these, these changes and growing um, in their learning. And, you know, they become like family. And I'm just trying to figure out how do we keep that going um, via Zoom. And this last one last question, like, again, how can people support you so that your brick and mortars, your openings, what you have already going, that it all continues and continues to flourish? Mm-hmm. Like, should people be looking out for things in the, in the coming weeks and new ways to be able to support you? Or should they just be already going to the Sacred Vibes website, which you can state again and, mm-hmm. just, you know, supporting that way? Yes, absolutely. So um, a lot of our work right now is sending out orders. So I've been asking folks if they want anything from the apothecary to either call us or order online. So one with one of the ways that you could keep us going is by ordering online. Our Botanica is not yet up online, but we're working to get that website online so that you can also access the medicines from there online. So supporting our online shops is really big. We've decided to stay open for like two or three hours during the day where people can pick up stuff or could come in. So paying attention to what those hours are and um, just coming by and like picking up your stuff during those hours um, is important to us. And then we'll try to do our classes as much as possible online. But of course, remembering that this requires some time for us to just jump in and um, get to it. Okay. Karen Rose, Sacred Vibes Apothecary. What's the website again? 
Sacred Vibes Healing at Gmail. Um, Sacred Vibes Healing. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving you my uh-huh. email. Yeah. And <laughs> now you're going to get hella Gmails. No. SacredVibesHealing.com. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> Okay, uh, can we just take maybe a couple of deep breaths together? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Thank you so much too, sister. Okay, I'll be looking out for you. I know Equinox is coming, so it's got to be a video happening sometime (laughs) soon. Yes, it will. It will will be happening, but yeah, thank you very much. Okay, lots of love to you. You too, and to Ravi also. Okay, all right. (laughs) Bye-bye. So let's talk about how to find Karen online. First of all, on Instagram... You can look her up as Empress Karen M. Rose. She has her business page at Sacred Vibes Apothecary and at Sacred Botanica NYC, sacredvibeshealing.com. And I just want to end out on another moment of mindfulness you know if you can take away anything from this podcast episode to try to look around you to see what medicines you have and to use them in a way that is whole full circle sometimes the word holistic is so overused loses some power but there is power in being accountable in how we relate to plants in any kind of medicine, including friendship amongst black and brown women. Just like Karen and I ended with some deep breaths, I wanted to share my version of OM, which I do alone with my guitar or with my child. And so you can join me if you want to. Oh. Uh...